off. So it's great to be back at it. Great to be with you guys here um, on Sunday so I can get back on track uh, the rest of uh, the week. Um, So I shared with you guys two weeks ago, not last week, but two weeks ago last time we were here um, when we were talking about habits that I tried out um, habit stacking. Uh, That's uh, part of the cue that we talked about where you stack one habit on top of the other, Um, a current habit that you're doing, uh, you stack it with a habit that you want to do. Um, And so that's a great idea for maybe some of you. That's something that I've implemented in my life after reading um, our book, Atomic Habits. Um, And so I've connected my habit of going to and from work uh, to a new desired habit of going to uh, the gym. Um, And it's been working out pretty well for me. I even saw Jesse at the gym, uh, I guess it was two weeks ago. Mark tells me that uh, I can run into him if I'm there at five in the morning. Um, No thanks, Mark. Uh, I have a habit of being in my bed at five in the morning, not at the gym. Um, but a couple of you guys uh, have shared with me some different success stories that you had in implementing uh, different habits in your life. And let me tell you, I love to hear those success stories. I love to hear you implementing new positive habits in your life. And I'm hopeful that a handful of you guys are able to implement a new habit of praying and reading, and reading God's word, or maybe not a new habit, but revitalizing, refocusing on that habit of praying praying to God and reading God's word. Um, Someone shared with me uh, two weeks ago uh, how they have been able to refocus on their habit of uh, reading the Bible. Um, And that makes uh, all this discussion, that makes this whole series uh, totally worth it as uh, we are all creatures of habit. You know, we, we execute so many habits day to day, hour by hour, minute by minute. We are truly creatures of habit. And so we as Christians, we as human beings, really, we need to put a focus on our habits. And that's why I thought it was uh, so important for us to talk about um, this material um, in the book Atomic Habits by James Clear. Again, it's a unique series because uh, the main source of information is not uh, the Bible this time around, but the main source of information is actually uh, from the book Atomic Habits. Um, But I believe this information is supported uh, throughout uh, God's Word, and I believe that this information is crucial to help us establish a habit of reading God's word and praying and, and, and loving people and, and, and serving people. And so I think this has tremendous value. Um, it can have tremendous value in your life if you open up to it and you sincerely try to apply some of these principles, some of these systems into your life because I'm sure we have all had a previous experience of trying to implement a new habit in our life, but it fails. You know, we may try it once or twice and we have good intentions, we have the motivation but ultimately we don't follow through uh, with the habit. And I don't think the problem is you. I think the problem is the systems that we have in our place. So we need to focus on our systems. And so when we started this series uh, a handful of weeks ago, close to a month ago now, uh, we talked about how small changes can equal a big difference. You know, when when we implement these small habits in our life, like praying to God for five minutes on a daily basis or reading God's word for 10 minutes on a daily basis, those small changes, they are going to have a huge, and I mean huge difference in your life in the long run. It's likely you won't find any difference 
or changed right away or at least minimal change or difference. But in the long run, trust me, it will make a huge difference. And so after we talked about how small changes equal a big difference, we talked about our identity. And I asked you all to uh, contemplate who you want to become. You all wrote, I want to become dot, dot, dot. Um, and because uh, our identities are important. Our identities are important when it comes to our life, and they're important when they uh, revolve around our habits as well. Because the first step that we need to know is we need to know who we want to become. And I hope that, that all of us have a, a desired identity revolved around being a Christian or a child of God or someone who loves God and loves people, something around that. I hope your, your desired identity revolved around that sort of idea. And so once we know who we want to become, then we can implement habits in our life that help us fulfill that identity. And so then, in, so the first two weeks, we kind of talked about the why. And now we've been talking about the how, how to build good habits and how to break down bad habits in order, in order to fulfill that identity. And so two weeks ago, we, we talked about the first step of building a habit, and that's the cue. If you want to build a good habit, then you must make the cue as obvious as possible. If you want to develop a habit of reading God's word, then you have to make the cue, seeing your Bible, you have to make it as obvious as possible. Whether that be laying uh, your Bible on your pillow when you, when you wake up so you see it when you go to bed, or on your nightstand, or setting it next to uh, a cup of coffee, or developing some practical steps like habit stacking, something that I've implemented in my life um, There's many tips in order to make the cues in our life obvious. On the other hand, when we have a bad habit in our life and we're trying to break down that bad habit, we need to make the cue invisible. And so today we're going to talk about the second step of developing a habit, and that is the craving. The craving is what comes immediately after the cue. It's almost instantly that, that the cue takes place. Then all of a sudden, the craving takes place. And the, and the craving is the desire to take part in that particular action or habit. A couple of examples. Our, our phone may buzz in our pockets, you know, and, and so that's the cue. The phone is buzzing. And then all of a sudden, we have a craving. We, we want to know who it is is texting us or what notification on Facebook it is or who's emailing us. That's the craving. The phone buzzing is the cue, but the craving that comes right after that, that's wanting to know who it is that's trying to get a hold of you. Or you may smell a donut. That's a cue. I don't know about you, but when I smell a donut, instantly I get a craving. I have a desire to eat a donut. That, that craving comes instantly after that cue. Or all of us, on a daily basis, we walk into a dark room. That's the cue. But then we have a craving we want to see because we, we, are visual, we are visual creatures. We want to see. And so we have the craving to turn the light on. And so that, the, the craving is the second step of developing a habit. After the craving, what we'll talk about in the coming weeks is the response and the reward. But today we are focusing on the craving. And when we're trying to build good habits in our life, we need the craving to be attractive. You know, like unfortunately, the craving of a donut is extremely attractive to me and, and, and my nose and, and my sight. That is extremely attractive to me, unfortunately. So when we're trying to build a good habit, we need the craving to be attractive. 
On the other hand, when we are trying to break down a bad habit in our life, we need the craving to be unattractive in our life. And that can be a difficult step to fulfill in our life. As a lot of the bad habits, a lot of the habits of sin in our life, they, they are... They, desire or they satisfy a desire that you have instantly. And so it has that craving, but we need to focus on making those bad habits seem unattractive in our minds. And so this craving, this craving process of building the habit is so important, and we can trace it back to our biochemistry as well, specifically our dopamine levels. Ben, if you, if you have that graph of the dopamine levels, here, these are four different graphs, and these are measuring our hormone levels during the four steps of building a habit. Step number one, the cue, and then the craving. You might not be able to read that. And then the response and the reward. So those four lines are measuring our dopamine during the cue, craving, response, and reward. And so that first line, that represents the first time that you try a new habit. You know, the first time, if you're trying to build a habit of reading God's word, and it's the first time that you're doing it, you're not going to experience much dopamine during the cue or the craving or the response. But on the end, you might reward yourself by reading God's word by saying, hey, I'm going to eat a cookie or I'm going to watch my favorite TV show, whatever it may be. And you're going to experience that dopamine. So that's what the first line represents. The second line, line B, this represents a consistent habit in our life. And so if you take a look at at line B, the second line there, you'll you'll notice that the spike in dopamine actually doesn't really happen at the reward. Instead, that spike and that dopamine happens at the craving because we know the reward is coming and the anticipation is oh so great. We we, we can smell the donut. We we can just imagine the donut in our bodies, in, in our mouth, and all of a sudden our body rushes us with a sense of dopamine. There's so much dopamine being released in our bodies during that craving phase. In graph C, that represents a consistent habit, but you don't get the reward that you want. So you actually see uh, that spike in your dopamine during the craving, but then actually during the reward, if you don't see the reward, you see a dip. And then graph D just represents a consistent habit, but the reward is delayed. It doesn't happen right away, and so you have a dip in, in your dopamine during the reward phase, but then it spikes back up. But basically, what I want you guys to see from here is that the main dopamine spike that we received during a consistent habit in our life does not take place during the reward. It does not take place when when we reward ourselves with watching our favorite show or drinking a cup of coffee or eating that donut, whatever it may be. The main dose of dopamine that runs through our body during a consistent habit is actually during the craving. It's during the anticipation of it all. It's when we anticipate, anticipate the benefits of our habit. And so it's the expectation or it's the craving of a reward that motivates us to act in the first place. Because when when our body releases dopamine, that that motivates us to act. You know, dopamine is often uh, related with pleasure because that's a big part of it. But a side effect of this dopamine being released in our bodies is that it provides us with a motivation to act. And so it's that craving in the first place that motivates us to act. If we never have that craving, 
then let me tell you, it is going to be so hard to fulfill that habit in your life, to make it a consistent habit. And so we need to have that craving. When, when we're building good habits, we need that craving to be so doggone attractive. And on the other hand, when we're trying to break down a bad habit, we need to try and make the craving as unattractive as possible. And this is what makes some of the bad habits, some, some habits of sin, extremely dangerous and extremely addictive. Specifically, uh, I think the, the two big ones that talking about addictions, uh, drugs and pornography. That, that's what can make them extremely addicting because our mind, oops, that's my mic there. I shouldn't mess with that. Uh, our, our mind is releasing the, 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 this dose of dopamine in our mind, and we get that craving of pornography or drugs, whatever it may be, and it can be extremely addicting. Because it is so attractive in our minds. Because it desires a des- or it satisfies a desire that we have instantly. And so the craving is there. And so we must be aware of the cravings that we have in our life. Because we can study biochemistry. We can study the, the, the dopamine being released in our bodies. And we can see the impact that the craving process of this habit has a role in our lives. And so today, I I want to give you guys three practical steps in how you can help make the craving attractive in your life when you are trying to build a a good habit. And then also at the same time, you you can implement uh, these practices, um, these uh, practical tips into making a bad habit seem unattractive. So the first step, the first practical step to help make good habits seem attractive, and then also you can apply it to the reverse and making bad habits unattractive, is something James Clear defines as temptation bundling. That's step number one, temptation bundling. And this is the idea that you find something you already want to do, and you connect it with the habit that you need to do. So find something that you want to do and connect it with something that you need to do. And the idea is you're more likely to find a behavior attractive if you get to do one of your favorite things at the same times. And so maybe a good example for some of us, maybe some of us, we may want to build a habit of walking on the treadmill. If you're anything like me, though, I hate walking on the treadmill. Um, And so if I wanted to motivate myself to walk on the treadmill, I could say, hey, I can watch my favorite TV show while walking on the treadmill, or I can watch it after. So during or after, whatever it may be. If you're trying to build a habit of reading the Bible every morning, then you can bundle your Bible reading God's word with your favorite cup of coffee or your favorite cup of tea or favorite cup of pop, whatever it may be. So, so, so you're bundling the temptations. You're making this good habit that you want to implement in your life, and you're bundling it with something that is attractive to you. Because chances are walking on a treadmill or chances are for a lot of us read, reading may, may not be super attractive to us. But we need to make it attractive because we know the rewards, we know the benefits of reading God's word. But the problem for many of us is we don't have that craving in the first place. Because a lot of us in here, uh, a lot of us don't particularly like to read. I was, I was definitely there for the majority of my life. I hated to read when, when, when I was growing up. And I never really had much of a craving to read God's word because I didn't like to read. And so if that's someone, if that... A t- uh, description describes you, 
then you can possibly uh, use this term temptation bundling. And you can bundle this habit of reading God's word and you can bundle it with something that you really enjoy. If you want to develop a habit of reading God's word in the morning, then maybe you can bundle it with drinking your favorite cup of coffee or favorite cup of tea or whatever it may be. So bundle something that you want to do with something that, uh, or something that you need to do with something that is attractive to you in the first place. So that is temptation bundling. And so if you are having troubles finding the craving, finding the motivation to pray or read God's word or to serve God's people, love God, love people, whatever it may be, if you're having difficulties finding that craving, finding that motivation, then I encourage you to, uh, to enact this temptation bundling. Bundle it with something that you already really enjoy. It's kind of very similar uh, to the idea of the habit stacking. Habit stacking is connecting something that you are currently doing with something uh, that you want to do. But temptation bundling is bundling something that you need to do with something that is attractive to you in the first place. So that's the, the first practical step that I'll offer to you guys this morning and how we can make the, these good habits seem attractive in our life. The second practical step in how we can make the, the, these habits attractive in our life and, and vice versa, making uh, bad habits unattractive, is we need to reframe your mindset. Reframe your mindset. That's the second practical step. Reframe your mindset. We need to reframe our habits to highlight their benefits rather than their drawbacks. And, and this is a very fast and a very practical way to make a desired habit seem more attractive. If you're trying to build a good habit, quit saying, I have to. Quit saying, I have to read God's word, or I have to pray, or I have to go for a walk, whatever it may be. Quit saying, I have to, or I need to, and say, I get to. I get to. I get to read. God's word. I get to pray to God. So instead of saying I have to go for a run, say I get to build endurance and get fast. Instead of saying I have to sit down and read the Bible for 10 minutes, say I get to read God's word that was miraculously preserved for us here in the 21st century. Instead of saying I have to go and serve the needy and love on God's people, say I get to show God's love to those who are in a position of need. And so it's, it's a really simple step to reframe your mindset. Quit saying, I have to. Quit saying, I need to. And say, I get to. I get to read God's word. God's word that has miraculously been preserved for all this time. Because when, when we focus on, our, our, on these habits of I have to or I need to, we focus on how these habits can confine us. But in reality, they liberate us. When we have no systems or habits set in our life, our lives become very constricting and we confine ourselves. Many people use the example of a fish. You know, if a fish had no uh, limits, if, if the fish had no systems and it had the freedom to explore land, they would confine everything that a fish can do. And similarly, the, these habits that we implement in our life, these systems, these limits uh, of reading God's word on a daily basis, they don't confine us. They don't limit us. We, we, we don't have to. We don't need to. We get to. 
Because these limits, these systems, they are extremely beneficial to us if we implement them on a daily basis. And so reframe your mindset that we have. And when we, we, when we reframe our mindset and we quit focusing on I have to or I need to, but we focus on I get to, all of a sudden, these good habits can seem way more attractive in our lives. So refrain your mindset. Quit associating those negative, boring thoughts with these good habits that you are trying to build. At the same time, if you're trying to break down a bad habit, then reframe your mind and quit thinking about how it instantly satisfies a desire, but, but reframe your mind and thinking about all the negative consequences that come after these negative habits. And so we need to reframe our mindset to help these good habits seem attractive and these bad habits seem unattractive. So that's practical step number two, reframe your mindset. And then the third practical step to help you guys make your good habits seem attractive is to focus on social groups. Social groups, that, that's the third practical step. And I love this step because the step supports the idea of the church. It's the idea that, uh, that we need to surround ourselves with people who are participating in our desired habits or our desired um, actions. Because social norms are a very, very powerful driver in our day-to-day lives. We want to fit in with those around us. No, philosophers, they, 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 they discover that the need to belong is one of the most powerful needs that a human being or one of the most powerful desires that a human being has, the need to belong. And so when we want to make a, a good habit seem attractive, then we have to surround ourselves with people who are practicing those same habits. Because we all have a desire. Every single one of you guys, you have a desire to belong. You want to belong somewhere. And the great thing for us, if we have that desired identity, the the, the desire to practice habits like praying and reading God's word, the good news for us is you guys are sitting in the right place right now. You are in the perfect spot right now. There's no better place to spend your Sunday mornings than in God's house, worshiping with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. Because unlike at the store or unlike at your school or your job or wherever it may be, unlike all these different places, these good habits of praying and reading God's word and growing closer to God on a daily basis, that is the norm here. If you aren't doing these things, then, then, then you are a, a bit of, of an outcast. You, you don't necessarily belong. You're not fitting in with, with, with those around you. And that's why I love this idea of the social groups, because it supports what we're doing here as a church, because we all have that desire to belong. And so we need to spend time with others who have the the, the same habits of praying, reading God's word, loving God, loving honest people, being generous with what we have, all these positive habits that we implement in our life. We have to spend time with those people in our lives. 
we, we talked about it before, but, but it's a similar idea uh, to the idea that you are, uh, I don't know the, the exact quote, but basically you're, you're, you are the five people that you are closest to. If you are close to five people here within that church, and chances are you're going to have a better chance uh, of exemplifying these habits of praying and reading God's word and so forth. And so social groups is a huge practical way in which we can make these good habits seem attractive in our life. And at the same time, they, they, they make these habits of sin seem unattractive. Because these habits of sin, we all recognize that, that we need to get rid of these habits of sin no matter how hard it may be to get rid of in our lives. We recognize that we need to, to get rid of these habits and so they seem unattractive here in this church. It seems unattractive to get drunk here in a church, but if you go to the bar at the corner of the street, then all of a sudden it seems attractive because that's what everyone else is doing. So we need to surround ourselves with people who align with our desired identity. And again, hopefully your desired identity revolves around being a Christian or a child of God or whatever it may be. And if that's the case, I'm telling you, you are in the right place. There's no better place for you to be than worshiping with, with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. There's so much power in surrounding yourselves with those who have like-minded beliefs, like-minded behaviors and habits in their life. John talks about this uh, as well in uh, the book of 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 7. John talks, uh, writes, and he says, this is, the, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses, cleanses us all from all sin. So when we come together and we practice the, the, these good habits, these positive habits that resemble the life that Jesus lived, then we come together in fellowship as one body, as one church. And when we do that, we recognize that the blood of Jesus, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. What a beautiful, beautiful gift. And so in summary, as we talk about the, the craving, the second step of building a habit, we, we need to realize that the craving comes after the cue, and it's what motivates us to act in the first place. If we don't have that craving to begin with, chances are we won't partake in that habit. And so the three practical steps to help make these good habits seem attractive is temptation bundling, reframing your mind, and social groups. And as we put our focus on our social groups, we, we can come together as one church. We can have fellowship with one another because of the blood of Jesus. Because Jesus paid it all, and we can all come together as one body, the body of Christ. We, come, we can come together as one church, the church of God and the church of Christ. And so at this time, we're, we, we're going to remember the, this one great 
act of sacrifice. And if anybody needs uh, the communion emblems, uh, raise your hand and Ben uh, can hand them out to you. And so about 2,000 years ago, Jesus paid it all. And he paid it all so that we could come together as one church, as one body, have fellowship with one another, so that we can all be cleansed from our sin. All because of one act of grace, one act of love, the sacrifice of our Lord and, Je- our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so as you, as you, they're handing out the, the communion emblems on the top here, if you open uh, the small sliver here, this uh, represents the body of Jesus. This bread represents the body of Jesus that was broken for us, that we can come together as one, and we can come together as one as a people whose sin has been cleansed. So let's pray over the bread. Father God, I just thank you for the sacrifice of your son. I thank you for laying him down for our sake, for our benefit, so that we can come together as one body, as one church. Father, I thank you. Father, we love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's partake of the bread. the same time that uh, Jesus' body was broken, his blood was poured out for each and every one of us. And this cup here, this represents the blood of Jesus that was spilt on our behalf. So let's go ahead and let's pray over the cup. Father, thank you for blood of your son as you watched your son suffer on that cross you watched the blood of your son drip from his body on that day father we cannot thank you enough father i pray that we come together as one church as one body that we can have fellowship with one another fellowship with fellow brothers and sisters in christ fellowship with people who have their sins cleansed because of your love because of your grace and sending your son jesus to die and suffer on the cross father we love you it's in jesus name that we pray amen let's partake of the cup close in prayer. Father, we love you. Father, we thank you for being a good and gracious father. Father, we love your son. We seek to enable habits in our life that reflect the life that your son lived here on earth. And Father, I pray that we can all continue to grow closer to you on a daily basis. And I pray that we can expand your coming kingdom, the kingdom that was made possible because of the sacrifice of your son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.